there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled, that's uh, the southern coming out to me, sorry about that. They were filled with great fear, and the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he's going to be lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. Now, can you imagine that? I mean, not only does this, like, Shepherds are hanging out in the fields, man. It's middle of the night. And these guys were like, you know, these were real men, right? And all of a sudden, an angel pops out, freaks them out, right? Tells them this uh, proclamation, if you will. And then, boom, like this heavenly choir just appears. Are you guys with me on that? Like Hollywood couldn't write a better story. The Bible goes on to say, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known unto us. And I love this in verse 16. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen as it had been told to them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now this morning, I want you to understand something that we can learn from this passage, and that is this. The search for Christmas gives us hope. The search for Christmas gives us hope for peace. Now, if we're honest, the holidays can be a time of great joy, amen? It could be a lot of fun, but it can also be a time of great stress. The stress can reveal a need that requires attention, or that reveals a need that requires attention. And, and then we begin to search for solutions in ways that cause us to feel more desperate, more alone, and it also allows us to feel uh, uh, despair. Some people are going to have a great Christmas this year. Others of you are going to feel that, that desperateness. You're going to feel that aloneness. And then, ultimately, what's going to happen is, is you're going to look for hope, and you're going to look for peace in other ways than what was provided for us 2,000 years ago lying in that manger. In the text, we see the angel, he proclaimed the arrival of hope. Jesus Christ is our hope, and as we search for Christ... We find hope and peace and purpose in that little baby lying in a manger 2,000 years ago. The irony is is that many of us are searching for hope, and we're looking for answers in life. And Advent, the coming of Christ, reminds us that Jesus came to provide the very thing that you're looking for. You may think this morning that, man, if I could just get a new job, or if I could just be at this place financially, or if I could just get rid of this person in my life, right? Some of you have some folks in your life that you're just like, man, if I didn't have to deal with them, my life would be smooth sailing. And so what we try to do is we try to mitigate 
the things in life that are supposed to point us to the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And so in these verses we read this morning, we see the message of the gospel proclaimed to the shepherds. These men who come to worship, who came to see this baby lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, when they came to see him, they would leave and listen, they would never, ever, ever be the same. These shepherds found peace and they found purpose in the proclamation of Christ. And let me ask you this. Have you ever felt like an outcast? You guys know what I mean? Have you ever felt, just raise your hand, let's be honest with you this morning. Have you ever felt like an outcast? Have you ever been in a situation where you just feel like you didn't belong? Have you ever felt like you weren't accepted or you weren't uh, a part of the, the inner circle, right? These men represented that very thing. And I'm so glad that the, the Bible addresses these situations that we, too, often find ourselves in. Maybe you feel like this morning you're at a dead end. Maybe you feel like you're at the end of the rope. Maybe you're in a situation this morning where you have a relationship that is, that is unraveling at the seams and the holidays are just exacerbating the, the thing that you need the most, and that is Jesus Christ. And so maybe you feel like you're at a dead end. And so I want you to understand this morning that following Jesus, following Jesus changes everything. Coming to worship Him, coming to know Him, coming to obey Him and understanding who He is and what He's done and what all of this means for us changes everything. We do so many things in life to mute the noise that is going on. And the theme this morning, the big idea that we want to kind of wrap our hearts around is this. Your search for peace and purpose is found in Jesus. Your search for peace and purpose is is found in Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something today, and I mean this. You can be the most successful person in the entire world and still not have peace and true purpose. You can have everything this life affords. You can get every recognition. You can get every award. You can be married to the most beautiful person or the most handsome person in the world. And all of that it, it, it pales in comparison in wrapping your hope around that little baby lying in a manger 2,000 years ago. Our purpose, when not attached to Jesus Christ, means nothing. Your hope, your purpose, and any peace that you anticipate experiencing in this life will only be found in that little baby lying in a manger. And so for those of us this morning that are searching for peace, Jesus came to provide a way for us to find peace with him and with others. This peace includes a purpose, and when we understand that peace is available, we want to share it with others. We want others to know that there is hope found in Jesus Christ. And So I want to encourage you this morning that you don't have to go through life searching. You don't have to go through life wondering. You don't have to go through life as an outcast. Friends, I want to tell you this morning... Jesus came searching for you. In fact, Romans says, no man seeks after God. And John said, we love him because he first what? He loved us. And so we might think, oh man, I came looking for God. Friends, I want to tell you, he came 2,000 years ago looking for you. That's the hope that we have. And I want you to understand this morning that he invites us into a life that can have peace and can have purpose. And we find hope for this in this story. So the first thing that I want us to begin with this morning is the proclamation 
of the Savior. In verses 8 through 11, the Bible says, in the, in, actually in verse number 8, it says, and there were, in that region, there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And I want you to understand something this morning that the Bible is teaching us here that the shepherds, he reaches out to the outcasts. And just so that we're all on level ground here this morning, we're all outcasts. None of us could be reconciled to God apart from a little baby that came into this world, was laid in a cradle, and would one day go to the cross. We're all outcasts this morning. There's a lot of discussion about the character and the lifestyle of the shepherds. But one thing that we know for sure is this, that these men were not among the religious elite, and they were not among the social elite. Now think about it for just a minute. Of all the people in the world that the angels could have came and announced the birth of Christ to, because listen, how many of you would agree, that's kind of a big deal. Virgin birth, right? Baby being born, Savior of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, He would come and rule and reign? Man, I mean, some pretty important people should probably be at that event bringing some gifts and acknowledging the arrival of the King. And yet, the first that got the news were the shepherds. The shepherds were outcasts. They were dirty. In fact, when they would come into town, uh, they were not really accepted. And they, even, they couldn't even go into the temple to worship because they were ceremonially unclean. To be a shepherd was to be an outcast, yet it was these misfits. It was these rejects that the angel came to deliver the good news. To many of these men, they may have seemed ins- insignificant. Oh, you're just a shepherd. And yet, these were the ones that God chose to deliver the message to first. You know, the gospel reminds us, or this reminds us, if you will, that the gospel is to be proclaimed to everyone. How many of us can relate to the shepherds? Let me ask you this this morning. Have you ever felt the weight of your own sin during moments of quiet desperation? Have you ever just felt that? Have you ever just, in a moment of quiet desperation, felt the weight of your own sin? The weight of your need. The weight of your desire for and your need for peace. Have you ever felt unworthy as you live life with no purpose, trudging towards an inevitable end? Let me ask you this. What if you accomplish everything in your life? You get married. You have a nice home. You go on the vacations that you want. You get every, hey, you get a Lexus with a bow on it for Christmas. Right? Some of you are like, well, I ain't buying no Lexus, you know. I want a Ford, you know. Whatever. Whatever your dream car is, you've got it all. But what does that really mean if you have no peace and you have no purpose? You're just running from one thing to the next, never really finding out what life is all about. And all you're doing is living in the moment and never understanding that we live for a day to come. Something that is transcendent, something that is eternal, and something that really, really matters. The angels came declaring the birth of Jesus. And the miracle wasn't, listen, the miracle wasn't the angels showing up. That's pretty cool, right? I mean, shepherds, backside of the desert, boom, glory to God in the highest. And then there's this choir and they're all singing, Right? I don't know about you, but I'd rank that as a miracle, right? That wasn't the miracle. The miracle is what they were proclaiming. The miracle was Emmanuel, God with us. The fact that Jesus became 100% human flesh, 
that He put on human flesh and He walked this earth for 30 plus years with the intention of giving up His life so that you and I could have peace with others and peace with God. Jesus was coming to save. In fact, they say that He was wrapped in swaddling clothes and some writers said that swaddling clothes was the clothes that they would use to wrap a person who was just deceased. Jesus didn't come into this world as royalty. Jesus came to this world knowing that he would walk so many steps and live so many days and that every minute mattered because one day at a specific time designated by God, he would give his life as a ransom for all of us who would put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Woo! That's the Christmas story. That's the good news. That's the proclamation that we celebrate and that the angels were declaring to these these outcasts on the backside of the desert. The coming of Christ, the coming of Christ was a promise that was 4,000 years in the making. 4,000 years. God said, one day, I'm going to send a baby and he's going to crush the head of the, of the serpent. And he is going to take away and deal with sin for all time. And the arrival of Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of that promise. And friends, I don't know what you're struggling with today. And I don't know what you brought in here this morning in terms of a burden. But if God can keep that promise, friends, God can be faithful in your life. Man, it's good news. This week I was sitting in my office thinking about so many of you. So many of you are carrying burdens. You're carrying regrets. Some of you have got some shame and guilt in your life. And friends, I want you to know this morning that Jesus has come to deliver us from sin, shame, and regret. He has come to transform us and make us new. A Savior has come to heal, restore, and forgive. There isn't a sin There's not a failure that you've experienced this year that Christ isn't willing to forgive. Amen? There isn't anything that you've done that that little child that would one day become the sacrifice for our sins, that he can't wipe it out and cast it as far as the east is from the west and remember it no more. Man, instead of being overwhelmed by your sin, your regret, and your shame, we can be overwhelmed by by God's unending grace. He's a Savior that makes all things new. And the greatest news that anyone can ever hear is the news that Jesus saves. It's the best news. It's the best hope that any of us can hear. You know, that's incredibly hopeful because of what that means. And what I want you to understand this morning, we see the proclamation of a Savior, but we also see a proclamation of peace. In verse 10, the Bible says, And the angel said, Fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Not just shepherds. Not just scribes and Pharisees and and Gentiles. Not just for Americans and and, and not just for a, a special class of people. But good news for everyone. Got good news for you. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. It'll be a sign unto you. And he goes on to say in verse number 14, when the angels are singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, listen, peace, peace, peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
The message that the angels delivered to the shepherds is a message of peace. The Jewish word shalom, the Jewish word shalom, peace, it means much more than a truce in the battles of life. It means well-being. It means health. It means prosperity and security and soundness. Shalom actually means completeness. Now, can I just ask you this morning, let me repeat those words to you. You might write them down. Well-being, health, prosperity, security, soundness, completeness. I want to ask you this Christmas, who couldn't use some of that? Who couldn't use some soundness, some wholeness? Who couldn't use some prosperity and health and well-being and Oh, for goodness sakes, who couldn't use some security? Knowing that the steps I take are secure in the Father's hands. To know that I can, uh, in, into his, uh, I, I can commend my spirit into his hands. Man, would your life be any different with this kind of peace? What if the gift, listen, that you were supposed to give this Christmas season, what if the gift that you're supposed to receive this Christmas season is the gift of peace? So many of you have conflict in your lives with a spouse, you have it with kids, you have it with coworkers, you have it with family. Some of you this morning have an inner turmoil where there's this restlessness and so you drink to, to, to essentially mitigate the lack of peace and the lack of fulfillment, the lack of wholeness, the lack of, the lack of um, uh, feeling present in the moment knowing that your life matters to God. How would your life be different if you knew that kind of Man, the message of rejoicing, good news of great joy. The angels were proclaiming and declaring the news that Jesus had come, and there's an incredible amount of joy knowing that Jesus provides peace. And listen, peace has to do more with character than it does circumstances. You guys with me? Peace has way more to do with character than it does circumstances. This is something that if I'm being honest, I struggle with. Because I have a short fuse at times, and often I'm very defensive, and I, I, I tend to argue and stress my point, and there's this sense inside of me where I feel like I've got a chip on my shoulder. How many of you can identify that? Just being honest. You know, I grew up in an abusive home, and you just you had to fight for everything you got. And that's just how I grew up. Surely not saying it's right, because i got two kids who are growing up in a decent home. They're still going to need therapy, but they fight me on everything. So I'm not blaming and I'm not playing the victim, but there's a depravity in all of us that feels like there's this sense of turmoil, this sense or this lack of inner peace. You know, I've been praying lately, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and what? It's peace, man. And if there's peace in our hearts, there's no room for anger. There's no room for bitterness. There's no room for restlessness. There is room, though, for joy. There's room for purpose. There's room for meaning in life. And all of that is provided in the life of Jesus Christ. So peace has to do more with character. Listen, life was difficult at that time, just as it is today. Taxes were high. They probably lived in a state very much like Illinois where they taxed the air, right? That's coming. If you breathe, 15 cents. Taxes were high. Unemployment was high. Morals were slipping lower. Does this sound familiar? And the military state was in control. Roman law, Greek philosophy, and even Jewish religion could not meet the needs of men's hearts. And so God delivered peace in the gift of his son. And so don't miss this truth this morning. It's good news that Jesus came. 
And whatever you think that you have to have to settle your heart will only leave you wanting for more because only Jesus can fix what's broken in the restlessness of our hearts. Only Jesus can fix that. In our brokenness, we pursue peace from other avenues. Jesus alone provides this peace and this purpose because he is a healer of what is broken and he rescues our hearts from pursuing things that will never satisfy the greatest need, which is the hope and peace found in him. But it's not just a message of good news, it's a message of reconciliation. Peace among men. For many, our lives are characterized by a lot of different things, but peace. And peace may not be one of them. Many of our relationships are in a state of conflict. And so when Jesus came, he offered us peace with God. That's first and foremost. Hey, listen, you can't be right with other people if you're not right with who? With God. If, If the vertical relationship with God is not right, the horizontal relationship with other people will never be right. And so Romans 5.1 tells us, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You might be here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Let me encourage you that Christ came to provide hope for you. He came to reconcile you to God, our Heavenly Father, because hope is found in Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father. No man is reconciled to God apart from Jesus Christ. Christ. We rejoice in knowing that a relationship with Jesus provides forgiveness of sins, a home in heaven, and a reconciled relationship with God. And there isn't anyone that cannot come to Jesus and experience the freedom that he offers to them that put their trust in him. You don't have to keep searching. Everything that you've ever desired and everything that you've ever wanted and everything that's wrong with you at a level of brokenness in your heart can be renewed, restored, and, 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 and made new by following Jesus Christ this morning. You know, the story of Advent begins in a cradle and it ended with a cross. Do you realize this morning that we find peace and we find purpose in a bloody Stained cross that Jesus gave his life on for you and me so that we could be right with God. So we find reconciliation with God, but we also find peace with others. Man, this could be a season where we seek peace and reconciliation with others. For some of us, we have relationships in our life that need some hope. Can I get an amen? How many of you had some conflict this year? Some of you are like, I had it on the way here. My wife is crazy, crazy. She thinks that I'm going to buy her a Christmas present. Hey, we need hope. I've been married this coming year, this coming July. My wife and I will be married 20 years. And there have been some seasons of our marriage that have been special, beautiful. Don't laugh, Frank. I see you back there. He's chuckling back there on the inside. He knows what I'm talking about. He's been married twice as long, maybe three times. He's getting old. (laughs) Merry Christmas. We've been married, and we've had some good days, some incredible experiences together. But we've had some dark days. I'm going to tell you something this morning. I think most relationships in life, whether it's a marriage, a friendship, or whatever, they matter, and they're forged in the furnace of conflict. And the only way to have relationships in life that really matter is when we stay faithful in those relationships. 
when we lean in, when we feel like pulling out. And I struggle with this in a lot of relationships sometimes where I just feel like, you know what, I'm going to wash my hands of this and be done. I've hurt people this year. I've had my fair share of conflict. I've had people betray me and hurt me. I've had some folks upset and disappointed with me and vice versa. And, you know, the temptation is to complain or criticize the person. Well, you know, if they were just more, or if they would just do, that's not the way forward with others. You know, bitterness, and some of you are bitter. Some of you just thought, man, you know, I thought I'd get married, or man, I thought I'd have these friends at this age, or I thought this, or I thought, and you just think, man. I just thought it would be completely different. And your answer is to pull out. Your answer is to move away. Your answer is to step away when the very thing that God wants you to grow in and experience will only happen if you stay right where you're at. Bitterness will rot your soul. And you know, ultimately, you're not bitter at the person that you're married to. You're not bitter at the person that you're in this relationship with. You know who you're really bitter at? You're bitter at God because you think you can do a better job of Him in the relationships and the circumstances of your life. So bitterness will rot your soul, but Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came to set you free. So don't let revenge or resentment rob you of the peace because bitterness and unforgiveness will consume you. Because if I'm devoted to Jesus, my response is going to be characterized by the peace that He has offered and given to me. Listen, write this down if you would. I offer forgiveness because I've been forgiven. And furthermore, how can I withhold the very thing that was freely given to me? How can I not step? Listen, do you know how many times I've offended God? Do you know how many times I've let him down? You know how many times that I've sinned and brought shame to the name of Christ? I've been an embarrassment as his child. And every time that I go to him, the Bible says, If thou, O Lord, couldst count iniquities, who can stand? Psalm 130. But there is forgiveness with you that you might be feared. In Genesis chapter 3, the very reason that we need a Savior, you see the story of Adam and Eve. The Bible says they walk with God. They had a perfect situation. They walked around clothing free. I mean, the weather had to be perfect for they're doing that. Their only job, listen, their only job was to to be fruitful and multiply, right? And then to go around and name animals. That's all they had to do. So some of you would say, man, if I had perfect circumstances, I would get it right. No, Adam and Eve had perfect circumstances. Married, and if God created the first two human beings, the Bible said that she was beautiful. I mean, when Adam woke up, he's like, whoa, right? All they had to do was go around and name animals. Oh, that's a zebra, right? That's an aardvark. I mean, that's that's it. And God said, just one thing, don't eat that tree. And what did they do? They ate the tree. So God comes, as he always did, and he's walking in the cool of the day, and the Bible says that he hid in the bushes. You know what God did? In that moment, he began to counsel Adam. Where are you at, Adam? You think God didn't know where Adam was at? He knew that he was hiding in the bushes. And then this, in this discourse, like we all do, Adam began to, well, it's the woman that you gave me. And the woman's like, well, it's the serpent that you have created. And that's what we do. We, we, we blame shift our circumstances. If I were God, man, I'd be like, reset, <laughs> starting over. These jokers are just ridiculous. I'm done with these fools. 
You know what he did? He leaned in and he stepped forward redemptively. He provided a way in Genesis chapter 3 that we could be restored back to him. And how could we do anything less with those who've hurt and offended us this year? How could we do anything less? One of the things that I hate about sin is the damage it does to the ones I love the most. But I'll say this, I don't care how far you think your relationships have gone. You might think, man, I'm at the end of my rope. I had a situation yesterday where I was chatting with someone, and I said, man, this person, it's 70 times 7 with them, you know? And those of you that know the Bible know that Jesus, Peter said, hey, man, how, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? My kids do that. Well, I've already forgiven you for this because they're counting. But Jesus said 70 times 7 because he knew he wouldn't count, right? And how many of you ever got to that place with that person in your life and you're just like, I've forgiven them enough, right? You know, amen? And Jesus said, you can't forgive enough because I'll never forgive enough. Man, when you bring Jesus into the discussion, there's always hope. Romans 12 eight says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, not the other person, underline that, on you, live peaceably with all men. In Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God forgave you, uh, as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Listen, we can't withhold the very thing that God freely gave to us. So here's the last thought, a, pro- a proclamation to be shared. Look, I, I'm the worst. I am the, these shepherds leave. They see Jesus. They see him wrapped in the manger, swaddling clothes. And what does the Bible tell us? They leave and they go and they just start telling other people about this peace that has been proclaimed to them and is now offered to them. And in that peace, they find their purpose, right? To bring the good news, to bring the gospel to everyone else because they knew that that's the message that others needed to hear right? Now, I'm, I am the worst, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I've got to hurry here. I'm the worst gift giver. The worst. You know why? Because I love giving gifts. My daughter, Brianna, is even worse than me. She comes up to me. She says, you want me to tell you what I got for Christmas? I'm like, you're not supposed to, but go right ahead. <laughs> Several years ago, I bought my wife um, a pair of earrings, a very, very nice pair of earrings. And that year, I mean, she, I mean, the day that we got engaged back in, uh, was it 2000, it was in February of 2000 in Springfield, Missouri, I got a ring in the mail from my mom, and she knew, because I had sent the ring to my mom, mom got a diamond in it, my mom mailed it back, that's crazy that she did that, but we did crazy stuff like that back then, she mails me the ring, I got the ring in the mailbox, and she could see the excitement on my face, that she knew that I got a ring for her, and I was going to propose to her, she went to her room that afternoon in Bible college in her dorm room and wrote down on a sheet of paper, today, this isn't proper grammar, today Jason will engage me, right? And that day I did, because she knew. And so several, now fast forward about 15 years, I bought her a pair of earrings. And I thought, this is the year. I'm going to get her a present, and she is not going to know what I'm getting her. And so I got her a pair of diamond earrings, and I hid those in my closet, buried under some things. And I gave those to her for Christmas. And a few months later, I was bragging. Yeah, baby, I got you this year. I got you something and you didn't even know. And she goes, well, actually, I did. I said, yeah, you didn't know. I got you a present. She goes, actually, I was rummaging through your closet and I saw those earrings. My first thought was, oh, I hope those are for me. I said, no, you didn't. 
She goes, I did. Here, look at this text. I sent it to my friend, and I showed her. I think Jason got me diamond earrings for Christmas. I'm like, you're the worst. I'm not getting you anything ever again. So I just take her wherever she wants to go now, and I get it for her for Christmas. Do you know why? You know why? Because when you have good news, when you have a gift that's just like super awesome, what do you want to do? You want to tell it. You want to share with other people the good news. Friends, I want to tell you something. You know why many of us aren't sharing our faith? You know why many of us aren't experiencing the peace and the power of the proclamation of a Savior? Because it hasn't embraced our hearts. It hasn't found our hearts to to fulfill it, to be embraced by it, to be gripped by it, and for it to be the very peace and the purpose that our life was designed to be. So this holiday season, I want to encourage you to wrap your heart, your mind, and your attention around the peace and the purpose and the hope that is found in Jesus.